Today we're continuing on with this idea of being mystically wired. And just if you're new with us, uh, a, a kind of a picture of the brain here, and uh, that is kind of a scientific rendition, although it might look like an artist rendition. But we kind of started this, this message on being mystically wired with kind of the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus presenting just a bold and brave and different way of, of telling people about the reality of being human. How they were actually created to operate and, and calling people into that reality. Uh, this new teaching uh, was very difficult for them. It was very, uh, very different for them. It was inspiring, but it was very different from what they had known because what they had known was the law. They, they had understood this idea of right and wrong, black and white, and this idea of justice and injustice. But what we're going to see is that teaching uh, was more than knowledge. It was more than rules. It took it to a very different level. And this is what Jesus was after. And what he's saying to us is that you were wired for something more than knowledge and rules. You were, you were wired intentionally to relate to, to commune with, to connect with the Most High God. So the question becomes, how does God talk to humans? Now, I have talked to people who have had an audible voice from God. But it's like one or two, and even I think they're a little suspicious. But we give them the benefit of the doubt on that. But for the most part, it does not appear, even in the Scripture, we don't necessarily see that God is using an audible voice. So how is it exactly God is talking and since we understand talking to be audible, does it make sense that if God is saying anything at all, it's probably not audible? Does that make sense? If God is speaking to you at all, if he has ever spoken to you, it probably was not an audible voice from a burning bush. And what that means is if he is speaking... That is not the way he normally speaks. So for those of us who, who languish and struggle with, you know, I just need a clear voice from God. I think God would say, I will speak very clear. And my encouragement is that you hear my voice. How does he speak to humans? How does he talk to people who are in relationship with him? How does he give you help in a decision of life? How does he go about doing that? I've heard many different ideas on this. Uh, people can come up with some pretty, uh, pretty scary ideas, you know, fortune cookies and lots of things. But the reality is God says that he's communicating. And so last week, we really kind of discussed a little bit this idea 
of re-educating the imagination. And I was really captured by uh, this understanding uh, that the imagination is uh, kind of where humans are wired to connect with God. I mean, it's, it's where we have the greatest vantage point or field of vision. Our imagination is that screen in our head that can bring clarity, clarity to, to vision, uh, to understanding, to events. You see, the imagination is where it becomes the pixels uh, of our heart and our mind. And, and the truth is, we can play them over and over again, can't we? Both good ones and bad ones. So the, uh, our imagination is that big screen of the soul. And there is a redemption that has to happen for it. Before we have Christ, there are a lot of things putting things on our screen. You know, pornography, that's its great fame. That's its great glory, is it writes on the screen of your soul. And like events in our life, we can't just take it out of our imagination, can we? That screen where, where tragedy or that winning touchdown, you will never lose it in your mind. You can replay it all the time. That happens with good things and not so good things. So we can reenact those events. Uh, John Wimber wrote a book called PowerPoints. I really like the book. It is really about becoming a disciple, but he uses this term PowerPoints as there are these moments, these epiphanies, uh, these um, events in time. It can be a vision. It can be a voice. It can be uh, something that you saw, something you read, the scripture, or it just pops and everything is different. Maybe a song that you hear, a message that you hear, or an event that you experienced. And you find that your life is somewhat changed by that experience, that information. And he called those PowerPoints. It was before there was a a program called PowerPoints. But he calls those PowerPoints because they are God's intervention with something that, that is powerful enough to anchor that moment into another direction. Salvation can hold that PowerPoint. There are other events in our life that can be powerful. Now, we have other PowerPoints, don't we? Do you see, you're going to find that there is a competitive quality. There is something going on inside us that your screen is being required by many forces. I can have a tragedy in my life. I can have one of those begging prayers that God didn't answer. And it becomes a PowerPoint in my life. And in that event, I skew away from God because I feel like I don't understand Him. Or I don't believe certain things about Him. The imagination puts a framework to words and feelings. We can, we can take several events and we can actually put them together to create a vision for ourselves. 
It was the place originally intended for God to put beautiful things on your screen. And he can still do that today. So, with this new teaching Jesus was giving us, it's more than knowledge, it's more than rules. Jesus was communicating this. Here's how you should feel. That's, that's intrusive, isn't it? Here's how you need to feel on this. Or here's how you need to think. Here's how I want you to now understand reality. Here is how you need to respond from now on. When I was a a kid, my father had this line he would use with me. Boy, you're going to do it, and you're going to like it. Anybody ever said that to you? You know, even as a little kid, I just didn't buy it. He might be able to make me do it, but he can't make me like it. What I didn't realize is, The like part is really important. You see, that's the evidence of the the change. So Jesus is saying, I am no longer talking about your behavior. The new teaching is not talking about your actions, your deeds, and your behavior. The new teaching is talking about you. I am invested in you. And I am here to tell you that God is invested in you. And he's here to say that your design is of this quality. That your feelings and your actions and your thoughts and your understandings can all reflect the very things that he thinks and he feels and he understands. He's here to report this incredible news that you're actually wired to be like him in these places. He didn't come with a new set of rules that just created a higher standard. The standard was higher. Not only am I supposed to do it, I'm supposed to like it. I mean, really like it. We are wired to embrace the nature and the character that God describes in the Sermon on the Mount. We're wired to be that person. You're wired to be that person. And to to show how bizarre it was on a human level, that's why he went into the terms and the understandings of love your enemies He wanted them to understand how different it is, but that we are wired to do this. We were created and designed to operate and to be like God. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. You see, the way we're really 
operating as in a system of justice and injustice. We, we surrender to measuring ourselves against society or our friends. We do that socially. You know, I might be weird, but I'm better than all my friends. I might have a little money, but I don't have near as much as everybody around me. You see, we constantly measure ourselves against others, against societies, against rules. Those are the patterns of this world. And we're trying to fit into it so we can feel normal. I want friends. I want them to embrace who I am. I would like money, enough money to be who I want to be. For some of us, that's a lot of money, isn't it? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You will allow this little change, the renewing of your imagination. Now, you don't, you don't have to transpose those. I'm just giving you another image. By the renewing of what you see and experience. By the renewing of those pieces that the mind feeds upon. Have you ever, have you ever uh, been irritated by someone, but you're not sure exactly why? Have you ever gotten up angry in the morning, but you're not sure why you're angry? Have you ever felt hopeless, but didn't really know the exact reason why? You see, all of those, there is something that's operating beyond the power and the capability of your conscious mind. There's something at work in you, in that mystic wiring. There's something at work in you and I in that moment. That we are not cognizant of. We do not know. Years ago, um, I was, um, someone struggled with depression. I, I had no understanding at all of depression. Depression, my definition of depression was you're sad. And sadness is always rooted in events. Your dog dies. I'm sad. So if you can take those words and flip them back and forth. You can say, uh, I'm depressed. Oh, really? Why are you depressed? I don't know. Well, that's good news. Then you don't have to be depressed. If there's not a reason, you're off the hook. That's really how I thought. This person dropped a spoon and they just melted. I said, it's a spoon. We'll wash it. No big deal. You see, the struggle was beyond this person's understanding. It was down deeper in the wiring. And what I want you to understand is there is this place in your wiring where God belongs. And when he's not there, or when we isolate him off from connecting and communicating within us, truly we suffer. 
we're suffering from that. And we replace him with things. We'll replace him with drugs. We'll replace him with alcohol. We'll replace him with activities. We'll replace him with relationships. There's all kinds of things we do to bring normalcy to the wiring that we always trying to make it in harmony. We're trying to make it all right down in there. And for many of us who have a, for me I'll say, who had a little bit of a fight with God, an argument with God, a confrontation with God, and I'm going to stand my ground and I'm going to say, God, I'm going to relegate you to the backwaters because I feel like uh, you haven't come through. So I, I have to put other things in that place. Why? Because I am wired to have things operating there. Something will be on my screen. Something. It won't be blank. Not for long. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see... When we allow God in our wiring, when we open up and allow him to feed across the synapse, to feed across the wiring, it renews our mind. We begin to see different things on the screen than what we saw before. We begin to feel things different than we felt before. That's a screen issue. (laughs) The scripture looks at it this way when we come to Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. And the old things have passed away, and the new things have come. And when Jesus was talking this extravagant language of being new and different in how we think and how we feel, how we understand, how we respond, You see, they were new things. He was introducing new things. But what he was introducing is something that was new when he reconnected us with the Father. They were going to be new to us. They weren't new to our design, but they were new to our abilities. And all of a sudden, we could actually communicate with God and we could have God communicating with us and our wiring could be operating for the first time. In Hebrews, the author of Hebrews in chapter 10 says this, the Holy Spirit who comes to live in us will testify to us about 
uh, this. First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. At that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. How to feel, how to understand, how to think, how to respond. I'll tell you what, I'm going to put those in here. I'm going to put them on your screen where you've had other things. And if you allow them to be there and not replace them with other things, then your mind will be renewed. And you will hear things you've never heard before. And you will see what is unseen. I wanted to uh, talk about the new landscape of hearing. Uh, This is actually something that I think the church preaches against a lot. The church kind of normally teaches you don't trust any of those things. Don't trust your desires Don't trust your emotions. None of that can be really trusted. Here's the flaw with that. This is where God is going to speak to you. He's going to speak to you in your thoughts. Uh, This morning, in leading worship, did you hear an audible voice tell you to say those things? No, you did not. Did you see it? Did it come as a text, maybe? A tweet? It could happen. So, how did it come to you? It was, a, it was something that popped into her head. Could we call it a thought? Yeah, yeah, we could call things that pop into our head are often thoughts. Maybe somebody else calls them something different, but most of us call it a thought or a picture or an image. You see, when, the, when God is writing on your screen... And he's writing truth on your heart. Then he speaks directly into your mind. He no longer has to write something on a piece of paper and hold it up to you. Doesn't matter what language you speak because what he's doing is he's connecting with you through the wiring that he created that is God-wiring. She had a thought. It was a thought. Impressive, huh? She had a thought. Now, for some reason, she attributed, for those of us who might be challenged, for some of you know, she decided that God gave her that thought. Is that true? She decided something inside her said, 
God gave me this thought. She probably didn't think it like that, but, you know, emphasis is mine. Why would she think that? When God has an opportunity to write ideals and values on your heart, when he begins to fill your imagination, your big screen, with his ideals and his values, things like generosity, kindness. How about just being aware of other people? You see, it's endless what he writes because he's writing himself. There's no book that could hold the the character and nature of God, but you can. You are wired to hold the character and the nature of God. And if you allow him to write those things and activate those things, and you let his ideals and his values begin to have power... And be moved to the big screen in your mind. You will find your ideals and values. Find expression. One day I was at a restaurant. And I looked over at this uh, guy. He was sitting alone in the restaurant. He was eating. And uh, the Lord just... Made him pop out in my head. I mean, you go to a restaurant, you see a room full of people, but all of a sudden, one just, somehow I'm wondering about him. Who is he? Why is he here alone? The real thing I'm wondering about is, why am I noticing him and why do I care? Maybe it's God. So as, as I begin to say, this is your first step, I begin to pray for him. Just pray a blessing for him. Just, you know, cross the room. He's over there. I'm over here. Nice, safe distance. And then something popped into my head. I had a finny thought. <laughs> you need to buy his lunch. Well, okay, I could do that. So, God, what are we doing here? I mean, do you want me to go over and talk to him? Do you want me to do this? Do you want me to do that? What are you, what are, what are you doing here? And I go back and forth with God, and then I had another thought. And the thought went something like this. Why don't you just buy him lunch? Yeah, but, but you know, so that you get glory and... Blah, blah, blah. And then I had this thought. Why don't you buy him lunch? Why don't you just buy him lunch? Why don't you not worry about the rest of it? Why don't you buy him lunch? I bought him lunch. I didn't even talk to him. I just paid for his lunch. 
I felt like that's what the Lord was doing. Now, if you say, did he tell you to do that? Or did you just think that? Or... I don't really care. I don't care. I'm not going to spend any time on that question at all. I think two-thirds of the church is completely paralyzed by trying to understand if their thought really came from God. So here's a good way to do it. If it doesn't benefit you, if it doesn't gain you anything, if it doesn't make you look good, and if it costs you a little bit, it's probably from God. Because that's just not the way we do it, is it? Yeah, that's my another point, but yes. Desires. I desire to feed the poor. Anything wrong with that desire? No. I desire to help young people succeed. Nothing wrong with that. Now, we can think of plenty of desires there's something wrong with, can't we? And in the scripture, you will be hard-pressed to find the word desire used in a positive way. Because most of our desires are corrupt. But this is about the new teaching, people. This is about the new you embracing the wire where God continues to feed into you new things full of life. Where you begin to change in your understanding how you think, how you feel. That also affects your desires. The idea is not to condemn all desires. The idea is to redeem desires. The the word this morning was, don't pray against fear. Pray for the faith that limits fear's ability to do anything. That is growth. That is a change in you. What about if God completely redeemed our desires? Would that be cool? You know, when you just had that, you know, 12,000 calorie meal, and you're really thinking dessert. This is the third day of your super diet. Is he Lord of the desire? He can be. If you allow him to be Lord of your desires, then you'll be full of really good desires. And he'll speak to you through desires. This is a big kicker in the church. Never trust your emotions. I think emotions can find redemption, just like anything else. I mean, most of us consider like somewhat of an emotion, don't we? In Luke chapter 24, this is not, uh, we don't have a slide for this, uh, but it is the story of 
some, two of the disciples being on the road to Emmaus. Now, we don't know who, well, we know one of the disciples' name is Cleopas. We don't know who the other one was. But Cleopas, obviously not one of the original 12 uh, as an apostle. He is a disciple. He's a follower of Jesus. These two are followers of Jesus. And as they're on the road to Emmaus, uh, this is uh, three days after the, the crucifixion. They're talking about all the events that had happened, all the things that had happened, and now, you know, the women had gone to the grave and he allegedly wasn't there. So along the road, Jesus meets up with them and says, hey, what are you guys talking about? We're talking about all the things going on in Jerusalem these recent days. Really, what things? And, you know, it says, what? What's wrong? Where have you been? Have you been on Mars? Are you the only one in Jerusalem the only who doesn't know what's going on? So they start to fill him in. And here's how they kind of summed it up at the end. You know, we really thought he was the one who was going to set us free. You can hear the disappointment. And that's when he steps in and says, you foolish people, you still don't get it. And he begins to teach them from the scripture. And, and then um, they are so impressed with this guy and they say, come eat with us. And then this picks up in verse 30, he says, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread he gave thanks, he broke it, he began to give it to them. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Now you can go into a lot of, you know, philosophizing about was he disguised, were they blinded? It doesn't matter, does it? They did not recognize him with their eyes. But listen to the next line. It said, their eyes were open and they recognized him. It says, and he disappeared from their sight. Most of us would be saying, where did he go? But here's what they said, verse 32. They asked each other, where are hearts not burning within us while we talked with us on the road? And he opened the scripture to us. Where are hearts not burning? You see, there was this emotional response to the presence of Jesus. Even though the eyes weren't doing it, the wiring was. The wiring was connecting. This is the truth that's hitting us, and this is inspired truth. There's something going on here. It's in that moment that the emotions were telling the truth. And the wiring of humanity was operating and it was connecting with the Son of God. We're in our hearts burning within us. Now what's interesting is the appearance is in the language it was burning in both of them. Both of them were emotionally charged 
by the presence of Jesus and the truth that was coming forth. The landscape is right here if you want to listen to God. The back side of this This is a landscape for any God you want to have. Any landscape you want to have will fit just fine right there. Do you want it to be a relationship? Lots of relationships. Do you want it to be pornography? Do you want it to be drugs? Do you want it to be partying? What do you want speaking into your wiring and your soul? Because this is where it happens, right here. God speaks into your thoughts. He will influence and affect your emotions. You know, after about age five, I cannot remember crying, except for when my dog died. I was 16. I dropped a tear or two there. Until I came to know the Lord. Man, he just jacks my emotions sometimes. He just speaks to me through my emotions. He sensitizes me. I don't fight it anymore, even though it might look a little bit foolish, but he sensitizes me in my emotions, and in that moment, I'm aware and I'm soft in his hands. I'm not more spiritual than anybody else. I am become aware. And I feel like he has done that in the wiring. I was reminded of this quote uh, this week. There's a man named Paul Little that wrote a book. um, uh, Actually wrote three books. He wrote Know What You Believe, Know Who You Believe, and Know Why You Believe. And he wrote like a dozen other books also. But those are the three he's kind of known for, especially Know What You Believe. 90% of God's will for you has already been revealed in the Bible. That's a huge statement. Ninety percent of everything you will need to operate and to connect with God, you already have. Whether you like it, whether you think it's boring, fascinating, difficult, unfair, weird, archaic, or cool. This talks about God's wiring. And it talks about yours. Should I forgive the person who murdered my father? Now, I'm not speaking for myself. I'm speaking for another person in Colombia. It's already answered. 
God's will has already answered that question. You see, with the truth, with the truth, my emotions, my convictions, my thoughts, all those things, if I allowed the truth to influence and affect them, that's when they become powerful. You, you, won't, you won't communicate with God very well without his word. Forgiving people, being kind to people, patient with people, impossible people. He's already answered it. My grandfather gave me a very old shotgun of his when I was a boy. And a relative of mine, right after he passed away, went over there and took it. How many years I've been looking forward to having that shotgun? It was kind of a bond thing between my grandfather and I. I think about it sometimes. I think about that shotgun. Kind of representing a connection with my grandfather. It's an image in my head. I was probably five when I first saw it. I still have that image of when I was five. And I have created an image of my relative taking it. It's all right here. You know how often it's there? 24 hours a day. Seven days a week. 365 days a year. It's there. It's always there. Along with the millions of other images that I have either created or were real. And as I was working on this message, that came to my mind. A thought came to my mind about that shotgun. And in that thought, here's, here's what happened in the thought. And then I'll let you judge, do you think it was from God? Bill, in your heart, you need to give that person your shotgun. You need to bless that person in your heart with that shotgun. You need to release them. You need to release that shotgun and you need to bless that. So what do you think? You think it's from God? You think it's from me? Do you think it's the chili cheese dog? What do you think? Why would you think that? It matches what? It matches the scripture. It matches the character of God. It does not match my character, does it? 
It's foreign to my, my character in a fallen state, isn't it? How do we know that? We know that because for the past 50 years, I have never had that thought. Nor did I want that, but I did have thoughts. I did have altered endings. Everybody ever create an altered ending in your head? You see, most altered endings, they're us. In our mind, I can take that pound of flesh, can't I? I can make this right. And then for me, for many of us, slowly the mind begins to look for ways to make that come true. What God wants is, why don't you embrace the thoughts I have? And why don't you let them form on your screen? And why don't you let those slowly find expression in your life? And you will find yourself loving your enemies. Read the scripture. To hear from God. Don't read it because it's the verse of the day. Ask God to speak into you His thoughts, His understanding, His ways. Ask Him to empower the Word that it would do something different in you besides be knowledge soon forgotten. Um, John chapter 2. Verse 13 through 17. Uh, And I don't think I have that. Back up, please. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, dove, other things. Anyway, he drives out the money changers. uh, And he tells them to get out and stop turning my father's house into a market. In verse 17, it says, his disciples remembered that it was written. Zeal for your house will consume me. His disciples remembered. You know, often the scripture you see, and then they remembered. They either remembered something Jesus said, or they remembered the word of God. Do you know that God will use what you take in in his word, and his spirit will bring that back to recollection? Now, it'll come like a thought. But it'll be God provoking something different in you. In difficult moments, bring it to God. Jonah, 
um, verse 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 7. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. I had a thought of you, Lord. You came into my mind, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. I think we're going to stop here.